0: from Jeremiah 50 as we preach through the book of Galatians. We've been reading in the book of Jeremiah some of these promises, warnings, encouragements, prophecies, uh, all these sorts of things going on in Jeremiah. As you can see there, we're in chapter 50 this morning. Craig is going to come and read it for us. Craig, if you would.
1: Jeremiah chapter 50, starting at verse one. The word that the Lord spoke concerning Babylon concerning the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare among the nations and proclaim. Set up a banner and proclaim. Conceal it not and say, Babylon is taken. Bel is put to shame. Merodach is dismayed. Her images are put to shame. Her idols are dismayed. For out of the north a nation has come up against her which shall make her a land of desolation. And none shall dwell in it, both man and beast shall flee away. In those days, and in that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah shall come together weeping as they come. And they shall seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with faces turned toward it, saying, come let us join ourselves to the lord in an everlasting covenant that will never be forgotten my people have lost have been lost sheep their shepherds have led them astray turning their habitation of righteousness the lord
0: the hope of their fathers We are working our way through the book of Galatians, but we have a special present for you. He eventually became an assistant pastor and is now planting a daughter church of resurrection called Grace Gatineau. And Grace Gatineau is about to begin their preview services, hopefully launching in the new year, very officially and very publicly, folks attached to Grace Gatineau, that much anymore. And so I told Frankie, before you go, before you... Leave us for good. Uh, you have to come and preach one more time so we can enjoy your preaching and be thankful for you. And so he is going to be preaching this morning through the uh, Galatians 5:16 to 26. But before he comes, uh, Jen is gonna come and read it for us and then we'll, Frankie, you'll be up after that. But Jen first.
2: Let's read. Galatians 5, 16 to 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the thing you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another.
1: Hey friends. Uh,
3: Before we jump into the text that you just heard, uh, I wanna say that I love Resurrection Church. Um, Thank you to the elders for having me come and preach today, as well as for having me come up a number of years ago uh, to to come and work here. I felt like I was a strange visitor from another planet amongst you, but uh, y'all were so patient with me, and you taught me so much as a church, so thank you. Uh, I've spent some time studying today's text, And like, man, either dependent on God or dependent on the Holy Spirit. And I know that you've already heard 10 sermons on Galatians from Ben and from Jim and from Randy, explaining all the nuances between like law and faith, circumcision, uncircumcision, child of the slave woman, child of the free woman. And ever present, like the sustained note of a bagpipes drone, was the gospel. You know, Christ has paid for the penalty of the law by dying for us on the cross at grace. But be honest. What occurred in your heart just a moment ago when you heard that list of vices and virtues read aloud? Some of you are like, oh, no, I wasn't paying attention. Well, you can look at it now. Uh, Did you not check yourself to see how you did? What's your score? Like okay, you know I'm doing reasonably well with sorcery, but you know uh, I think I'm a little too angry. I, I'm messing up with the sexuality stuff, but I'm not super divisive. So where does that leave me? Uh, you, you know we can tell ourselves that we're not legalists all day long. Those legalists with uh, thinking that they're so good all the time, thinking so snobbily uh, in their tight little stuffy clothes and their old tidy life put together. But, but no, Like you give us a list like this, and like the legalist junkies we are, we run ourselves through it, checking everything. It's an error to think that in order to be a legalist, you have to be a self-righteous one. It is just as legalistic to beat yourself up with the law all the time. Uh, shame is not a virtue. Now, some some of you are starting to feel ashamed. (laughs) Let's deal with that. Uh, This passage can change your life. Paul shows here the unstoppable work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who have faith in Him. Some of you don't have faith yet. Uh, It is great that you're here today. Uh, I I invite you to try it out, though. Sort of put it on, put on faith today. Try and follow along with me as close as you can. And and I hope you're gonna see why so many of us are obsessed with Jesus. Everything depends on him. So in this text, we don't actually see his name per se. We see the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. It's all the same God at work here. And just a note, Paul mentions the Spirit seven times. We must depend on the Spirit. We must depend on the Spirit of God Now we're gonna study the verses today under three headings. First, the war inside. Second, from death to life. And third, get up, soldier. The war inside, from death to life, and get up, soldier. Now part one, the war inside. This will be verses 16 and 17. Christians talk a lot about having peace. Right? Uh, but, but it's not the peace of like being at peace with the universe or just being stoic about life. It's peace through war. And Paul describes the Christian life as one of internal warfare. There is a war inside every believer. Now, there's very good news in this text, though. The good news is that you're not alone in this fight. Paul starts our section by by telling the Galatians, walk by the Spirit. Now he's gonna start the other sections in, in today's passage similarly. Verse 18, being led by the Spirit. Verse 25, walk or keep in step with the Spirit. The Galatians must remember that they are not alone. God is with them at their side, the Holy Spirit. And because they're walking alongside the Spirit, they can face whatever battle comes their way. And what battle do they face but the internal battle with sin? Now, here things start to get interesting. Paul tells them that because they're walking with the Spirit at their side, they will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh. That may sound carnal, but it's, it's that whole list of things that we read earlier. It includes rivalries, divisions. But how can Paul say this so matter-of-factly? Uh, like, like, if I was talking to you, and I was, I was confessing like some struggles that I had with sin, and, and you looked and said, Frankie, all you got to do is walk with the Spirit, and you're not going to sin anymore. Like, if you said that to me, I'd walk away feeling really bummed out. and be like, I don't understand anything about Christianity. I'd, I'd feel worse. But verse 17 clears up what Paul means here. The Spirit is opposed to the flesh, they are at war. And it's a war that serves a purpose. That last phrase in in 17 is important. It's a war in order to keep us from doing the things that we want to do. Yeah, of course we wanna do them, you wanna do them. And you know what, in war, you're gonna have losses. You're gonna have bad days, dark days. But God's spirit is with you right now. He will be with you tomorrow. He will carry you through this fight. Because it's God's spirit at work in us waging war on our sin. See, you don't like, get to have God after you defeat sin. It's the reverse. Your only hope of defeating sin is if you have God working inside of you, fighting inside of you, stirring up a war against your flesh inside of you. See, a believer who struggles with sin is a real believer. Somebody who does not struggle with sin, does not face temptation, is not a Christian. You must have conflict. That is our proof that the Spirit is working in our hearts. See, if, if you don't have internal conflict, and look, maybe, maybe you're not like in turmoil today, and that, that's fine. But like, just as a, as a part of your experience of faith, if you don't have internal war against the flesh, then the peace that you have in your heart, it's more like the Pax Romana, the, the Roman peace, you know? They, they said that the Romans made peace by making a desert and calling it peace, by, by just quashing a, a city, destroying everything, and saying that was peace. But you who struggle, against your flesh. You are like a city in which God is doing a spiritual coup. Redeeming it, rescuing it. Now this is an Old Testament idea, Paul, I think, is leaning heavily on the prophet Ezekiel as he goes through this. This whole flesh and spirit thing comes from Ezekiel. Ezekiel said that Israel's real problem, the real reason that they were getting punished and having to be exiled, it wasn't that they they weren't just trying hard enough. It wasn't that they weren't trying hard enough. It was that they needed a new spirit, a new heart, and that God himself must do this work. He must put his spirit into their fallen flesh. God himself must do it they got to stop depending on themselves. They've got to look to Him, depend on Him, on His grace, or they will continue to destroy themselves. See, that's what the false teachers in Galatia didn't understand. See, they may have paid lip service to Jesus, saying He offered salvation, but making the law and circumcision for males mandatory for continued access to God was a grievous error because God does not wait on us. He he doesn't wait on us to get our act together to come near Him. God, it'd be like going to a graveyard and waiting for somebody to come out of a tomb. No, God is the one who comes to us. He is our only hope in our fight against sin. See, it was much deeper than religious rites. It was about the very core of how God relates to us. It's either by works or it's by grace. Now, some of you today really need to take this to heart and reevaluate the war that is going on inside of you. You you feel like an imposter, you know, you're sitting in church today thinking, you know, if, if only people knew. You're increasingly annoyed with yourself, your behaviors, even increasingly annoyed at other people here or in your life. Just another hypocrite, you know, waiting for what you've done in the dark to be brought to light. And look, generally speaking, everybody, regardless of your religion, feels inner turmoil, faces self-doubt, but how you answer that question is very telling of your spiritual state. You know, maybe you try and sort of set yourself as the standard of what a reasonably good human is. You know, if somebody's worse than you, then they're a bad person. If they're better than you, well, they're a better person. Or maybe you just walk around feeling terrible about yourself all the time. But especially for the Christian, we can misinterpret our turmoil to think that we're fake. To think that our faith isn't real, it's not good enough. But but hear me on this. There is, is nothing that has the potential to cause you more turmoil of heart than the flag of God planted in your soul. Your anguish is the anguish of a spiritual coup where God is overthrowing the, the old regime, the flesh. The old guard fights to keep you enslaved, but God's flag is not going anywhere. The flesh rages. But God looks on you at your worst and on your, in your weakest moments. And he says, this one's mine. I delight in her, in him. The war you feel on the inside is God's war that he's going to win to win you. The spirit has broken your chain so that you can get up and walk with him. Part one, the war inside. Part two, from death to life. From death to life. Here we're going to be studying the bulk of the passage, verses 18 to 24, and taking a little bit more time here than in the last section. Uh, Look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Being led by the Spirit. Now this has a Psalm 23 sort of undertone. Uh, The Lord is our shepherd, leading us through the valley of the shadow of the penalty of the law into the bright fields of the kingdom of God. His spirit leads us. Hold on to that. Paul then describes what he calls the works of the flesh. It's it's a list of sins that lead to death. All those things uh, that those under the law will be judged by. It's a warning there. If you're going to rest under the law, these things will destroy you. You will be destroyed by them. Uh, Or look at verse 21, how he says it. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what things are so bad that they will keep us, or they will bar us from the kingdom of God? Well, it's pretty much everything bad. Uh, Paul lists, you can look at his list there in 19 and on. Paul lists three sins of a sexual nature. Sexual. Then, get this, eight sins of how we treat one another in the community. Eight! That last one is probably less like how it's translated here, and it's giving more of like a crazy frat party vibe, so uh, it's bigger than the sexual stuff, that's also included. Uh, Now, when we look at a list like this, We may want to focus on just like the sins that we don't do so we don't get scared about being barred from the kingdom. Okay, so so maybe you're not a wild partier, but like how's your anger doing? Maybe you don't drink, but like how much rivalry is just brewing under the surface that comes out in your little grudges that you hold or the way that you talk people down? See, most of the sins on this list are relational and frankly... None of us in this room would be making it through this list alive, you know, if we ran ourselves through it, checking ourselves. But what did verse 18 say? The kingdom has grabbed a hold of you with his unbreakable chains of grace, and he is pulling you out of the muck of sin and into his blessed inheritance. If you are depending on him, then you are not under this law. Christ has paid the law's penalty for you. It is he who does it. It is his work. It is not your work. You know, the only works of ours that Paul mentions here are the works of the flesh, and they're what will destroy us. The works of the flesh are sin, but God's work here is something altogether different. In fact, it's so different that Paul doesn't even call it work. He calls it fruit. He calls them fruit. See that in verse 22. It's fruit what God does in us. In which biblical image we, we see it at the beginning of the Bible, in the garden where, where the work was to produce fruit, life-giving sustenance. The temple, later it was adorned like the Garden of Eden with fruit on the walls on the inside. Life. You don't need to be a Christian to, to look at this list of like sins and say, oh yeah, that, that's that's kind of like a death, and these, these good deeds is something that's like life. It's just like in Deuteronomy. After Moses gives the, the law with all its judgments, he says, choose life. Don't go down the path that leads to destruction and death. Choose life. I want life. I'm tired of death. God wants life for us more than we do. That's why he became a man and gave his life so that we would be brought from death into life. Consider the fruit, love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to save it. Joy. Joy. It was for the joy set before him that Christ endured the cross. To save you. Peace. Only a man of the deepest eternal peace would have willingly placed himself in such torment and horror for us. Patience. He's so patient with us. Like there's days whenever we cannot stand ourselves, But he's in no rush. He's so patient with us kindness. You know, he doesn't shame us into acting better. His goodness that he gives to us, calling us righteous in the courts of heaven. Like, like that uh, new creation, God will, will call us very good because of him. Faithfulness. You, you starting to see where, where we're going here? Faithfulness. We, we are so unfaithful. Yet he has been faithful for us, faithful to us. We're like unfaithful spouses, yet he has kept our vows. Gentleness and lowliness telling us, come, put down your works, take my yoke on you, my way of grace and life. Finally, self-control. You know, the book of Proverbs says that A person who has self-control is more mighty than a warrior who conquers a city. And whenever Jesus walked on this earth, he, he faced all sorts of temptation, but he didn't give in an inch. He didn't flinch a bit. In order that those of us who are indulgent and compulsive might receive his spotless record. The fruit of the Spirit is the very life of Jesus at work in those who put their faith in him. That's how Paul can say in verse 24, look at 24. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We see our sins for what they are now, death, but they have been crucified with Christ. He has taken them we have crucified it, Paul goes on to say. We have crucified our flesh. What good news for us. See, in, in this life, our flesh may howl, it may wail, it may beg for our attention. But it is crucified. It may yet breathe and torment and be free from it. But it is crucified. So Look. Fear not. Stop your wallowing in self-pity and self-loathing. Don't you know that those nails will never be removed? Our sin will never come down from that cross. Jesus has put death to death, and it is dying. And now his life is in you at work, child of faith. The Spirit leads us from death to life. The war inside, from death to life. And now part three, get up, soldier. Uh, we're going to finish with the last two verses here. Uh, Paul has so far talked about walking with the Spirit, uh, being led by the Spirit, and now he says to keep in step with the Spirit. Your Bible may say walk here again, uh, as the ESV does in the bulletin, but it's not the same word as in verse 16. Verse 16. I get a little tickled at how often Ben has been mentioning Greek words in the series. Uh, I'm going to do him one better. I'm going to mention two Greek words. Uh, the first walking we see is the, the Greek verb peripeteo, which is like the standard verb for walking around. But the, the word we see here in verse 25 is stoikeo, stoikeo. it's the kind of walking where you're going in ranks and files, where you're marching, keeping in step. This is military language. I find this very fascinating. Uh, Look closely at the beginning of 25. He says, if we live by the Spirit, then we'll keep in step. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. If we live. Now, let your eyes go back up, just the verse to 24. Who is it that lives by the Spirit? But those who have crucified the flesh. Those who have died now live. And now rise, rank and file, keeping in step with their spirit king. A resurrected army, just like that valley of dry bones in Ezekiel, who were hopeless and dead for sins, but then God raised them up by his, by his spirit. And he gave them new life, living flesh. And an exceedingly great army stood before him with new hearts, bursting with life. Get up, so don't envy. See, those ways of death, they are nailed to the cross, never to come down again. Now you are to love one another. You are to march together. The people of God are to be like the the ancient Greek phalanx. Uh, Do you know the phalanx? Uh, It it was a way of organizing your troops in battle where where everybody's got these long spears and and they'd all march together in tight file and with their their spears overlapping and their shields overlapping, marching on. The phalanx only worked if everybody worked together as a team, if they worked as one. You are one with those sitting in the room right now. What reason do you have to look down on them? What benefit is there to distancing yourself from them? What advantage do you have if they fall? None. You are one. Learn to keep in step and march together. Follow your king into eternal life. You know, may this church never be a place where the gospel is on your lips, but there's no space for people to, to mess things up or make mistakes. You know, may the fruit of the Spirit of God remove the shackles of the law that weigh us down, that make us so competitive with one another, judging one another, judging ourselves by one another, inciting our sin against one another. May all of us leave here today a little lighter, more of a team happily entrusting ourselves to God. Get up, soldier. The way of the law is over. The way of grace is set before you. Walk with Him. Be led by Him. Keep in step with Him. Depend on the Spirit. Let's pray. God, we are wearied from our sin, our flesh. You've set before us a way out, out from under the law. What a treasure you've given us. What a gracious, loving gift. Thank you. Thank you. Help us to see ourselves as you see us, as saved, loved, being healed.